Yes, hello, Loonies. You're listening to another episode of Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. Uh, tonight, I am your host, Josh, and I'm filling in for our high priest, Ray and Connor. So, Conchu has come to me to ask to talk about Moon Knight. So, we're going to be going back to the 90s, where we're reading Mark Spector Moon Knight, issues number 19 through 21. So, sit back, relax, and get your Conchu on. Welcome, Bluies, to another episode of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. My name is Josh. I'm taking over hosting duties tonight, filling in for Ray and Connor. Ray is still uh, frolicking in the fields of fatherhood, while Connor is on an archaeological dig in Egypt or something. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm going to be your host tonight. So we're going to be uh, looking at some Moon Knight from the 90s, looking over uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight, issues 19 through 21. And uh, But you don't have to worry about just hearing my dull voice tonight. I've roped in a special guest to talk about it. He's getting thrown into some hot waters because he's never listened to podcasts, recorded a podcast, or read Moon Knight. So we'll see how this goes. If you can, everyone can welcome my uh, my good friend Chris and former co-worker Chris. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to the Thanks, show. Josh. Good uh, to be here. All right. Well, yeah. So this is all new territory for you. And... Uh, Hopefully this all goes well for both of us because I am. This is my first time hosting anything, and I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So, uh, all right. So yeah. So um, yeah, you and I used to work together, and uh, we used to work together at this little uh, hellhole called Subway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have moved on to bigger and better things, and yet I'm still trapped there. And uh, yeah, that's all we need to say about that. <laughs> but yeah, but when we do used to work together, we used to talk about comics a lot. Everything yeah, I was one of the really the only other person I really worked with that is really into comics, so that was cool. I know we used to talk a lot about it back in the day and let each other borrow, right. borrow comics. Yeah, I think I remember was I think you let me you let me borrow Batman the Court of Owls. I think was the first time I read that one. That was cool. Yep, that's Spawn. a good one. Yep, Spawn. You let me borrow first thing of Spawn. I, I should get back into Spawn. Spawn's great. Yeah, I I should too. As a matter of fact, yeah. Um, I let you borrow like Iron Man Extremist. Yep. And speaking of 90s spectacular, Spider Man Maximum Carnage. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, that was that was some good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so we've known each other for a little while. So uh, when I was asked to, when uh, Ray asked me if I'd be interested in hosting a, an episode, I figured, well, the only other person I was really into comics is Goose. So I figured, well, why not? Well, give us a go. Uh, yeah. yeah, so. Uh, so why don't you tell the listeners just a little about yourself? Where where, where do you come from? <laughs> well, yep. I uh, my name my name is Chris, and yeah, I used to walk, work with Josh at Subway, and now I've moved on to Penske as a as a claims writer. Okay, but, writings. Yes. Yeah, so to be honest, I didn't really know what you. Were, I, I didn't know what you moved on to. To be honest, so but you've done you've done actually a lot of writing, haven't you? Like you've written a book and stuff, right? I, I've I've written a I've written a book. I, I I wrote that when I was in in high school originally, and then I've been working on it a little bit ever since. And now it's it's a, I've self published it on Amazon called the Crystals of Fate. Oh, cool. So uh, if you want to give them like a little bit of a summary? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so 
basically there are, there are three crystals and each have their own individual powers. Uh, one app, one amplifies physical strength, one magical, one spiritual. But bring them together, you can control fate, and the pa- your power is only as great as your imagination. Huh. And pretty much, the 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 story is about uh, a wizard who who wants to get all three crystals and use them to save his wife from a vampire emperor. I think that's a good thing, but it's not because he's using extreme extreme meth- evil methods to get the crystals because he figures well as long as I can save my wife with the crystals of fate I can then use fate to undo all the terrible things I've done all the people I've killed the towns I've burned mm. and my heroes come together to stop this guy and they they hate each other at first some even try to kill each other but <laughs> but it actually sounds better with the books we're going to kind of talk about to be honest uh, but yeah so that now is that because it's, it's a whole trilogy, right? It's not just it's, that, that. That's only the first book. That's just the first book. You're working on a trilogy, right? Uh, yes, I am. And uh, the second one, I'm I'm editing up right now to release that one as well. That one's the Crusade for the Lost City, and that one's a huge war between humans and vampires. And my my heroes from the first book, they just they get divided and and. Um, they each go their own separate paths on the war, and they each grow in their own ways. And that one is that one's very. They get better as they go along. I'm actually done with the whole series. It's just a matter of of making it better and getting it ready to be put out there. The first one's out there on Amazon, only three ninety nine for the Kindle version. All right, cool. And um, yeah, that's what you've been working on for a while. I mean, you said you've been working on it since you were. How long have you been working on it again? A long time, I know. High school, I started when I was 16, finished when I was 18. Oh, cool. So, definitely been been a work in progress for a while. It's cool. I haven't read it, but I know you've talked to me about it, and it sounds pretty interesting. So, it's very, it's like a it's like a fantasy, kind of Lord of the Rings, kind of esque kind of thing. Yeah, very, very high fantasy. Um, I say it's, I got a lot of inspiration from Final Fantasy, because in the book you'll notice flying airships, magic crystals. Definitely, I definitely love that series, and it definitely had a strong influence on my writing. All right, cool. So yeah, so if any loonies are out there to keen to read some actual books, not comics, um, yeah, you can go on to Amazon and just search. I guess you can just search the Crystals of Fate, right, and that'll mm-hmm. come up. Yep. Okay. So and so there, if, you read, if anyone's interested in reading some fantasy stuff, go ahead and uh, check that out. Only three ninety nine, so it's a pretty good deal. Face front, true believers, and riddle me this. Do you enjoy comics? Great. Well, you're already halfway there. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as listener and producer. My new weekly, the bi-weekly show, deals with the heroes that don't get enough credit. Street-level heroes like Daredevil, Moon Knight, Spider-Man, and the like. With a strong emphasis on stories that don't get quite enough credit either. Or perhaps are just plain goofy. With the occasional look into jumping on points for new readers who might be interested. I'm Ethan Ainsworth, and this is Knights, a Marvel podcast. Check me out on Podbean and iTunes. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this podcast (laughs) does put a smile on my face. Alright, so anyways, so another thing we like to do when we get any, any guests on is we like to do what's called an LCS Spotlight. Which is kind of going over and kind of just giving uh, our local comic book shops a uh, 
a moment in the spotlight, basically. Um, but, uh, now, you told me that you don't collect, like, monthly comics to go to a local comic book shop on a regular basis. Um, but that's okay. Uh, the last time I was on, I did mention a little bit about uh, Golden Eagle Comics here in Reading, Pennsylvania. And uh, that's a place you used to go to, well, like, back in the day, right? Yep, that's right, yep. The last time I, I really was there collecting comics was I collected Ultimate X-Men. And when Ultimate X-Men stopped, I really didn't have anything new to replace it. So. Oh, okay. So it's, so it's been a little while. Yeah. All right. Well, this is kind of good because what we like to do is we kind of like to give like a little description of the place. And that way you can kind of get a glimpse. And this is good because you haven't been. They just recently moved to a new spot about like three months ago or so. Um, so the whole store is completely laid out differently. So I guess this is, I guess we can kill two birds with one stone with, I can, everyone else can learn and you can learn too about how this store is laid out. So yeah, so it's, um, people here won't know this, but if you, uh, <laughs> if it's right along Fifth Street Highway, uh, right next, a little bit away from where the boss cause is at. So it's, it's right along the main road so they can get a little bit more traffic in there. Um, but yeah, but if you remember the old store, and the fairgrounds mall used to be really long and narrow, but really long. This one is more of like a, it's more like, like a regular square shape. So they don't have as much room, but still a decent size. Um, but they do have like, yeah, they have like all like their, all the long boxes are like right in front of the door. So as soon as you go in, you see comics, you know, it's a comic book shop. Okay. So you have all your long boxes of all your back issues uh, along the front window on a shelf. The shelf is facing inwards. The sun isn't hitting the books, so no one panic. Their books aren't getting uh, damaged from the sunlight. But they got all like your uh, your indie books. So you got your like your Valiant, Image, Dark Horse, IDW, all like the indie books they have right there. On the right side wall is where you got all like your your big two. You got your Marvel. You got your DC. You got a whole bunch of racks of all the week uh, monthly weekly books come out. They're all right there. Uh, in the middle. You have your shelves of like your trade paperbacks. Then I have a huge collection. They have a, de a decent size one. Uh, and then like right in the middle of the store, you have there's a bunch of eh, maybe about a dozen maybe long boxes, all books that are all seventy five cents and twenty five cents. You gotta have to kind of move them around because there's not much room for them. So it's sort of kind of like a like a treasure hunt. Like you have to move the boxes around to get into it. It's sort of like the. Uh, Oh, end of like the Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones. It's what it kind of feels like. You okay. have all those boxes around. You got to go look around digging for treasures in there. Um, the left side of the store is mainly just all like cards and stuff. I'm not into cards like matching the gathering and all. Like I think I have some Pokemon and stuff, but I'm not into that. And then uh, along the back, they have all your wall books. So um, that's all like your like your higher priced ones. So like any like Silver Age ones or if there's any like keys, um, they actually did this. Is actually kind of interesting. A couple, uh, must've been maybe about a year ago at their old location. They actually did have a copy of, uh, incredible Hulk number one eighty one, which is the first appearance of Wolverine, which is pretty jacked up in price. Obviously it was way out of my price range, but I was like, I cannot believe I'm standing like five, you know, maybe seven feet away from it. Well, cool. I wish I could have just asked to hold it, but yeah, so they did have, they do get some uh, some decent books. Um, they also had uh, 
what was I think Amazing Spider-Man 252, which is the first appearance of the black suit Spider-Man, like the with the symbiote. Oh, nice! They had nice. that there too. I should have grabbed it. I regret not grabbing because I think it was like twenty some bucks. I wish I would have grabbed it. Um. So, 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 question at their old location at the back of the store, they used to have like gaming tables for I guess people played various games. Do they still have those gaming tables? I think tables? they have. I think there's like a back room, maybe like an old storage room because it used to be an old furniture place. So I think there's like a back room where they used to have extra stuff. I don't, haven't gone back there, but I think they do. So I guess they do have the sort amount of a similar space, but they are just, um, I guess they're just spread out between two separate rooms. But yeah, but yeah, it's, it's a good little place. I don't, other people have, that have come on here, on here and talk about their local combo shops. Like, Oh yeah, I know the people. They're really good. I'm not a social person at all, so, and I can't make small talk crap, so <laughs> I don't really know the people. Um, but everyone pretty much seems nice, so yeah, it's, it's a cool little place. Um, yeah, I would suggest if you ever get a, a, a free chance, just go over there and check it out once in a while. It's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, then there's another place we can talk about. Not necessarily a comic book, a comic book shop, but it's uh, a place where, ironically, you and I both went into separately but almost like within like the same week um there's another shop called symbia collectibles um here in Reading, pennsylvania uh it's not necessarily really a comic book shop it's more of a collectible shop but they do have comics there so that's why i'm bringing it up um did you did you look around any of the collectibles at all when you were in there um i, I briefly uh looked looked through them and i saw a lot of old uh Marvel toys that I that I I used to have as as a kid. So the like the old school Doctor Doom. I, I used to have him and all these all these old school figurines. Oh yeah, it's like it's like a walk down memory lane, like toy wise. Because if you looked in there, because I looked in there before, um, and actually this place they used to be right around the corner in a smaller spot. Spot and the spot that they're in now was an actual comic book shop. But that place it was cool the first like two times, but in the past like two years, it kind of just became a joke. And then when they eventually closed out, this place moved in there. They got a lot more space to put stuff. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, they have a lot of stuff. Yeah, just from it's just like a walk down memory lane. Like for me especially, they have a lot of the old Star not old I guess old for me I guess but Star Wars figures. Um, like with the line that came out, I think it was called Power of the Force. That came out when they released the uh, the Star Wars Special Edition in the late '90s. They had a bunch of those figures, and I'm just like, oh my god! There's some I, I actually still have some that have been out in the living room. But um, but just seeing a lot of them, just oh man, and then all the prequel ones too. So it was really cool seeing all that stuff. And I know they had some other stuff like Ninja Turtles and Transformers and GI Joe. It's just really cool to see all that kind of stuff. Uh, but when it, can, when it comes to the comics, they have a decent sized collection, eh, de- decent ish, I guess. Um, but yeah, but they do have some, they do have some cool stuff. I did pick up a couple. Um, I picked up a couple. I think I picked up Captain America. I think I picked up a Spider Man, and I think an Avengers one too. I picked up just a couple. They did have some in there, but they some they don't have marked, and unfortunately, they look up the prices using a guide online. Um, so I tried to steer away from the ones that didn't have a price to go up. But you, well, you got some cool stuff over there that you showed me that you got too. What'd you pick up again? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have. I, I picked up the. I found. I found a really cool one. The first. Uh, first X X Factor. Ooh. Number one, and um, it, it was. It's really cool to read because it tells. It tells how Jean Grey survived after. Uh, 
Well, you, you, it, back when you were first reading it, you think Jean Grey died as Dark Phoenix when, when she sac- sacrificed herself and let herself be shot by that laser cannon. But oh, then the you learn saga, Dark Phoenix saga. But then you learn later that when the shuttle originally crashed and Phoenix rose up, that that wasn't even Jean. That was the Phoenix incarnate of Jean, and Jean was still underwater, the real Jean. So it was never Jean that died. I I thought that was cool how they revealed that and pulled that off pretty nicely, I thought. That's cool. And there's another one you picked up, too. It was a Conan one. Oh, okay. Black black and white, old-school sort of Conan, and I'm, I'm not sure what number it was, but it was pretty cool stuff. Okay, that's actually kind of interesting, because that might have been, that's, that that sounds like it's like a 70s thing, because actually, um, we're tying this into Moon Knight, in the 70s, before Moon Knight got his own series, he actually had a couple, like, backup stories in the Hulk magazine, which is, which sounds like it's similar, they were all black and white, and uh, Moon Knight had a couple, I think maybe about, like, seven, I guess, like, kind of, like, backup stories in there, so I guess they, they're kind of, like, the similar titles, where they're, they're more, like, magazine like magazines and sell like your standard comics, I guess. Yeah. So I guess that's that's kind of cool. That I didn't know they did other ones like that. So Conan, yeah, I've never I've never read anything about Conan. I had a couple books I got from my dad, but I think I gave them to my sister or something. I never read them, but I would but, recommend the uh, Conan Dark Horse series. Um, they, they did that. Well, started a few year, uh, quite a few years ago, but it's the art's really awesome. The story's really good. So. Oh. I, I still have to catch up because they're like on volume 20 and I'm on volume 8. Oh, wow. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, maybe I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I got. Eventually, I'll catch up on everything I have to read. But uh, yeah, I'm always looking for new stuff to expand into. But anyway, so speaking of well, comics, <laughs> you've been doing that for so far we've been recording. Um, so how, how did how'd you get into comics? I love asking people how they got into it because everyone has a different story. So what got you into comics? That's true. I would say what got me into my comic comics was my cousin Joel, because he was always into comics. He was, he was into a little bit of everything. He, he knew so much about every single comic, every single, single superhero. He was definitely my hero growing up. So to me, comics were never like nerdy because Joel wasn't, he was cool. So I always associated co- comics and superheroes with being cool quite the opposite from what most people think, but I, I viewed it as if you didn't like comics, you were kind of like ignorant and didn't know what was, what was really cool. It's kind of actually kind of how now it is, like how it is nowadays. Now with like comic books are bigger and comic book media is big, bigger than they have ever been before. Now it's like, well, you haven't seen the Avengers. What's wrong with you? You know, yeah. now it's like before back they like, Oh, I read the Avengers. It's like, pfft nerd it's like now it's like you haven't seen it yeah like you're the What's you're the you? yeah, <laughs> exactly oh so that's cool so um so did you kind of just read uh joel's did he let you borrow them or did he, he like... would he would give me comics for free in fact he gave me the first savage dragon ever made the the first one because savage dragon eventually originally premiered in a miniseries a four issue miniseries to see how it would go oh right i remember I had number that. one in the miniseries couple of years ago i actually got it signed by eric larson oh really cool got to meet him and shake his hand seemed like a really cool guy but savage dragon was the first comic i actually ever collected because before that joel would give me individual issues i would read them but i never actually started collecting until savage dragon then i then i bought my own issues i i saved up my own allowance money back then oh. and- <laughs> <laughs> that's 
That's Whenever cool. I could, I would pick up the issue. That's cool. I actually, I actually, I did find a, a copy of Savage Dragon number one, like the regular number one. I do have it. I haven't read it, but I, I was, I forgot somewhere. I was like, I think it was for like a dollar or something like that. Like, oh, I'll pick it up at the dollar. Why not? That's cool. But I've never, I've never read it, but I might have to pick that, pull that one out and uh, and uh, read it. Savage Dragon's still going strong. He's in the two hundreds now. That's still Eric Larson, right? He's still, he's still doing, doing geez, it. Jeez, he's been doing that for well since what ninety two, ninety three. Yes, yeah. still that, going strong. That boom of image, yeah. So that's cool. Um, were there any other books, like uh, any like Marvel books or DC books that he would let you borrow that you remember? I know it was probably a while ago. One of my one of my first uh, X Men was the uh, the series called Executioner's Song. Oh. Which, which is, if you're not familiar, is is really around Cable and Strife. Strife is uh, the X Men villain. He's like a, a twin for Cable, but or, or like an alternate Cable <laughs> gets confusing. But yeah, oh yeah, I know. There's a lot of a lot of that era is a lot of like time travel and clones and yeah. But it's a really cool cool story and and um, 12, 12 issues and. But that, yeah, that, that's what really got me into X Men, and then I would watch the X Men cartoon, and and then when I was older, I would I would uh, I would I would collect X Men. Well, first I started with Ultimate X Men, but then I would go back and read like the original X Men from like the sixties and seventies, and then I would broaden to the eighties and nineties. So I had a have a I have a good significant X Men collection. You still have you still have them? I have them all. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because if you look over all my boxes over there, I have a lot of Marvel. I do have a decent amount of X-Men, um, but for some reason, I, I have a lot of them, but for some reason, I they're like ones I can't like get into. I've read issues, I have some, and I've, I've read like the big stories, I've read like Days of Future Past, which is pretty good. Um, Dark Phoenix Saga, I just read a couple months ago, I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. Um, God Loves Man Kills, that one was, a, oh, that one was really good. That's great, good. yeah. Um, but for some odd reason, like, like between... Like the big story arcs, just like your one-off stories or whatever. Like not you like your critically acclaimed stuff. I read it, and for some reason, I just can't. I can't get into. It. I don't. It's not that I don't like it, but it's like it's not one where I'm like, okay, I got to read the next one that I have. Yeah. So like, what? Uh, so like, and obviously you, you've told me before that they're like one of your favorites. What? What makes the X Men stand out like to you? Like why? Why are they one of your favorites? Oh, okay, try, yeah. try to sell me on X Men. <laughs> okay, that's a good question. Well, okay, well, because um, a lot of superheroes are individuals, and the story is about them. Like Spider Man's about Spider Man, uh, Captain America is about Captain America, um, but X Men are about a team, and this team is always growing, always evolving, and it's not just about one character. It's not just about Cyclops. It's not about Professor X, because the characters are. There's always new characters. It's always changing. It's always evolving. You could say the same. I guess you could argue the same for Avengers, but the X Men are are united because they're of the same race. They're all mutants. They they all ha are X Factor positive, and, and they're. They're all kind of outcasts too, because I know that was was it originally when they were originally conceived back in like the sixties. It was sort of like the sort of like a parallel of the kind of the um, like civil rights. Yep, yeah, it's true. So I guess yeah. So I think if I think team wise, I do think the the like the X Men is like what it stands for is is a lot better, and I do I do think because those characters are only 
like you only really see like Cyclops and you know Phoenix and I'm blanking on my X Men <laughs> like well, Beast and like Angel. Well, they're they're all you only see them in X Men. Where like for example, like the Avengers, you get Thor, Iron Man, Captain America in there, but then they also have their own their own uh, titles too. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I do agree with, with what you're saying. Like, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, they're all they're all kind of united by the fact that they are kind of shunned by the world. So that's cool. Yeah, like, um, like the one, like the books that I'm reading, or like the ones I have, I have kind of a range between a lot of mid '80s and early '90s. Now, the stuff I'm talking about is like the like the mid '80s stuff. Um, now, I don't know if there's like a big difference between like the like the mid '80s stuff, and like the early '90s stuff. Like, is that like is if you had to pick like a favorite era, like what would you oh. pick that it would be? Well, that, that that that's a good question. Um, it's also kind of tricky. Um, I really love Chris Claremont's era, era from like the from his very first X Men where he re, where he basically re pumped X Men. X Men was was dying, like nobody was buying it, and then he re- releases this with all these new characters. You got Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus. This di- this new diverse team, and they're awesome. Storm's probably one of my favorite female heroes. She's she's a, she's awesome, and um, so definitely from from the very beginning to Days of the Future Past, he is on fire. And and uh, the one battle with Magneto inside the volcano is really epic. Oh wow! I might have to look into that. And yeah, so it, that stuff's really great. But I also really love some the series in the nineties. The this one, an alternate dark history occurs where, where when Charles Xavier's son Legion um, he, he tries to kill Mag goes back in time to kill Magneto to make you know to make his father proud to, to but but what he doesn't count on is Xavier sacrifices himself for Magneto and Xavier dies and when that happens it creates a dark history called the Age of Apocalypse Oh I was going to ask you about that <laughs> and everything changes the whole Everything, everything gets darker, and all, all the characters that you think you know, you don't anymore. <laughs> some are some are villains. Cyclops is working for Apocalypse. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's one of his prelates, but um, and Magneto is the leader of the X Men. <laughs> oh wow! So everything goes upside down, and the only one who can fix it is Bishop, because he's the only one that remains, because he's originally a time traveler. He he gets to live. He got sucked into this new world, and he's a little crazy from going through that. But he's the only one that knows there's a better world, and he gets the X Men to believe in his better world and try to try to get him back in time to change things. And it's just a really epic storyline. It's really cool to see uh, to see. The, the, the how 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 it's changed and the the world's gotten a lot darker. Like I said, the characters are different, and characters die a lot. A lot of the characters die in Age of Apocalypse, but it's a very cool story arc. Oh, that definitely does sound pretty cool. I know it's very like expansive, and I know it's one of like the like I know like throughout the whole '90s when the Marvel had its whole crash, like X Men was the one that kind of stand tall throughout the 
throughout the whole thing. I know, like, that big store is kind of like they're, like, everything, nothing else is selling. This is going to carry our company. So let's pump this out and get this big, grand, uh, big, grand, like, story out. Well, there's so, one other from the 90s I want to bring out, and it's Onslaught. Uh, Onslaught is, yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of like Xavier and Magneto combined in this, this rage filled filled creature that wants to uh that that wants Xavier's dreams but uses Magneto's means to make them happen and it's it's a very cool story arc because you just don't see um darkness inside Xavier like until then Xavier was perfect he's almost like a saint he doesn't do anything wrong he doesn't make mistakes but here he is well, it started where, when he wiped Magneto's mind, because that laid the seeds for Onslaught. Oh, right. But you see a darker side to Xavier in this series, and it makes you see that he's flawed, too. He's not perfect. And it, it's just cool to see that a, a darker side to Xavier, that he could create this mo- monster that almost destroys the world, and it takes the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and the X-Men to stop him. <laughs> it takes the whole Marvel Universe to t- bring down Onslaught. And actually, I think, if I remember correctly, that's actually what, like, the event they used to kind of relaunch the whole universe, because, as I was saying before, like, the Marvel sales were, like, really declining, like, so bad. And because Marvel, like, unlike DC, which is which at the time was backed by Warner Brothers. They had a parent company, so they didn't have to worry about going bankrupt or anything. But Marvel was an independent. I think they did have some ownership with other companies that did own them. But they were such... They are so far down the ditches that they were like, the only way we're going to get back out of here is, A, we're going to sell all the furniture in the bullpen. They did that multiple times. That's a true story. <laughs> um, apparently, from the words of Brian Michael Bendis, if you know, if you know, oh, yeah, I know who yeah, he is. Yeah, I heard something where he told that story. They were just selling furniture just to pay the rent. But anyways, um, but they're like, but in order to boost sales in our books, we're going to basically relaunch the relaunch like our almost an entire universe with uh, we're going to use this onslaught saga, and they like they did something where like I think I said at the end was it like Franklin Richards and he like create like pocket dimensions or something like that yes and that that, that leads into because all the hero well not the x-men but all the heroes sacrifice themselves to bring onslaught down and franklin richards he creates this alternate yeah but the pocket dimension to bring the heroes back in something that was called heroes reborn and that's that's what josh was talking about the relaunching of everything Mm -hmm. and then and then after that then they relaunched or that was sort of like a story to kind of seed the stones relaunching and they've and they fully relaunch, I guess, with what Heroes Return, I think, is what it was. Um, but yeah, but uh, basically all the heroes died to get new number ones, basically. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, and actually, I think one of the, I think really the only one that stands throughout the whole thing was the X-Men, really. Because all the ones, like your Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, like Iron Man, Avenger, they all got canceled at whatever their numbers were and started with number one, but uh, I think Uncanny X Men just kept going on until um, like five hundred something right now. And then, and then now, if if you pay attention to their comics now, Marvel just relaunches every two years. They 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 cancel and they relaunch the next month. Basically, just okay. Well, our sales are down. Let's get an extra twenty thousand copies. We're putting out a new number one. It's kind of ridiculous now. <laughs> if, like if you if you try to get like to try to jump back into new com- like getting into like current comics now. At least for Marvel, it's kind of a mess because you don't know because like every every character has like 
12 volumes because they can because they cancel them after after like 12 issues it's yeah it's kind of a mess now um right now i'm so far behind in x-men but i would love to get caught up but it's intimidating and the last thing i read from from x-men was that x-men crossover where it was x-men versus avengers and oh I, okay and i didn't even finish all that but i would i would love to get back into that and and um Yep, see it. We see where things are now. Well, actually, I guess this is a good time to bring up. I know a couple. I think was it a couple weeks ago? I saw. I think they are going to be relaunching Uncanny X Men. I think in October, sometime later in the year, they are going to be relaunching. Oh, that's great to um, know. Like they've been doing X Men books for a little while. Um, like different ones. They've had different teams where it's like X Men Gold, X Men Blue, X Men Red. They've had. Then I think they just canceled two of them or whatever. So they've been doing them, but they haven't been very significant. But I think this is the first time they're going back to full, like, uncanny X-Men. So I think it might be a good, because also Marvel, they did just start this new thing called the Fresh Start, which I, is where I kind of just jumped on, because really, Moon Knight was the only one I really bought regularly, because I'm like, I don't know where to start for like, any, like, Iron Man, Captain America. There's so much stuff going on. Where do I start? This is called a Fresh Start. Here's new number one. So I jumped on, and most of it has been pretty good. The Avengers, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop after this next issue, but all the other <laughs> ones have been kind of solid. So I think this is like included in that sort of kind of fresh start. So I would say maybe you could just if they put if they play their cards right, that would be maybe a good launching on point for you. Maybe if you know if you want to get back into current, I think, I think I do. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. Yeah. And you can always do it if you don't want if you don't get it in print. You can always do it digitally too. They do have. Uh, you can buy them digitally on like the Marvel Comics app. So yeah, so there's, there's you can get them digitally or in print. So so I, I, I want to tell you that because I know you're in X Men. So I figured that'd be a uh, good uh, good thing for you. Um, and just real quickly, uh, uh, just so I don't know if you've heard the news recently that um, that the deal because there's been uh, Disney has been trying to buy out Fox that owns the film rights for X-Men and Fantastic Four. And they've been, like, the de- like they the deal has been sort of gone through and then not, and then Comcast has been bidding them. But I think just a couple weeks ago, I think it's been finally approved. So I think the X-Men are finally going to be, their film rights are going to be finally owned by, well, Disney, I guess, who owns Marvel. But basically, they'll, we may in the future see the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That would be cool. Because, yeah, listen to the comics, they cross over with Avengers and the rest of the Marvel world a lot. And the X-Men, I think, are a pretty central part to the Marvel Universe. So to have them not there, it's like a whole. Yeah, and I'm glad, I'm glad like they, they took a step when they got Spider-Man back, which is really good. And I think having the X-Men and the Fantastic Four in there would be really cool. That, that would really cement it. Uh, I'd... I know the the X Men would be kind of it'd be interesting because you can see like which ones are going to introduce when, and there's so many different characters they can include. But I'm also excited to see the Fantastic Four in it too because I actually they actually just returned the Fantastic Four to the Marvel Universe. They just put out the new number one this past week that'll date this episode. But um, but yeah, so I'm really excited to see both both of those teams included in the MCU. So crossing our fingers, hopefully hopefully they, everything goes well and they. And they do a good job with it, hopefully. So, do you think we'll see a good Fantastic Four movie? Uh, I hope you know. I, I don't mind the ones that are from the mid two thousands. I think they're they're of the era, obviously, but I don't mind them though, them so much. 
And I will say, to my shame, and I'm putting it on record now because this is going to go out, when I saw the Fantastic Four 2015 movie, I was like, oh, that was cool. Like, what, what is everyone bitching about? And then when I then I heard then I really heard everyone complain about it. I'm like oh that that was dumb that was stupid this is bad and then I think I tried watching it again I'm like I can't finish this this is so bad so yeah I uh, gave it some praise that it definitely did not deserve uh, but yeah so ho- hopefully with the uh, with everything under one banner it'll be we'll really get all the corners of the MCU hopefully and speaking of getting everything in, in the MCU. One of the things that I know I have been, and a lot of the listeners, obviously, and just other people in general, would really like to see Moon Knight thrown into the MCU. And I'm hoping at some point we do get. And I figure we should maybe kind of start talking about Moon Knight since we've been kind of going on X-Men for a little while. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, uh, so I guess I could ask you, Chris, how did you get into Moon Knight? Oh, uh, well... You ask asking me to do this podcast with you. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. That, that I guess that would be true. I know. I know. I talked to you about him before, and I brought uh, I brought him up to you when we, when we worked together. I'll talk to you about him. But um, I know you said you haven't really read. No, have you read maybe anything? Not one of his books, but um, maybe a, a book where he guest starred in. Because I know for a, every once in a while he would guest star in some in other characters' books. Did you ever read any of those? Nothing like that, but when I was when I was younger, I did get a Moon Knight comic, but I just don't remember too much about it other than he teamed up with someone and they were fighting these guys with the spiked armor and the other the other guy was like, oh, where, what do we do? Where do we hit him? And Moon Knight's like, between the spikes, and then he proceeds to take these guys out. <laughs> I wonder what that could be. Maybe I'll have, after we're done here, maybe I'll pull out my Moon Knight box and you can pick through it and maybe you can see. Because I have... I have this entire this entire run of Mark Spector Moon Knight we're going to be talking about. I have the entire run except for one issue, issue number 57, which is the uh, tie-in to the Infinity Crusade, I think. And um, and I think if you go back a uh, couple months worth of episodes, I think Rand Connor did review it, and I know they didn't they did not enjoy it very much, and I know because I've read the comics that come after that, and I did not very enjoy that. The, that uh, last uh, ten year, uh, ten issues of uh, Moon Knight in that run, it, it got very, uh, very nineties extreme. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, maybe I'll have you look look through the run. Maybe you can pick out a cover. Or it might have been one of the earlier runs too, because he had a couple of runs before that. But cool. anyways, so, but yeah, so Chris's first real exposure to Moon Knight was me asking him to be on the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> but don't worry, I didn't just have him come in dry. I Gave him probably the best primer that anyone can get. I gave Chris uh, Charlie Houston's The Bottom to kind of get him uh, caught up and got him get uh, get a feel for the character before we uh, before we dove into the uh, other main books we're going to talk about. So, what did you think of this? Did you think it was? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I, I I enjoyed it very much. The art was the art was great, and so was the story. It, it really made the really made the the character really seemed, seemed really cool. And, and yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The art is really, if you just look just at, just at the cover of the, well, the, the trade cover is the same cover as the number of the first issue of it. But just looking at that cover, it just, the you like, you know exactly what you're in for. And like, this is like some of like the, like some of the best art is in this book here. Um, 
yeah, uh, David Finch is the artist, and he really does it. And then I'm not, I don't remember the the colorist, but really, this is just this is just a real the whole standout uh, trade paperback. Um, and the whole run, I think, is pretty is pretty highly acclaimed. It's one of the most highly acclaimed ones. Uh, but yeah, but this issue, so so you you, you sort of got got a feel for the whole character, sort of like his like brutality and. Um, did you sort of kind of understand the? If I, it, to be honest, I haven't really read through it in a in a couple years. Um, when I did, when I was trying to figure out who to do this with, I was like, "Well, who who should I? What should I give you to to get you caught up?" So I gave you this. And I was, I looked through it. I'm like, I forgot how awesome this is, but I haven't read through it um, fully. But uh, I don't remember if they do a lot. Did you kind of get the whole kind of like his whole mental thing? I don't know if they touched on it, but they, he does have, like, the multiple personalities. They, they did ten, touch on it, but I didn't really get it too much. But, but um, yeah, it was, it, it was really it was really awesome, and and, uh, and definitely the fighting is very brutal. But Oh, yes. Yeah. The fight against Bushman, the guy with the face tattoos. Just, that, I know who he was, but, yeah, that was awesome, but fight. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah he's, like, his arch enemy. I think they do touch on it a bit, but, like, when... Uh, when Mark was a mercenary, him and Bushman, I think, and Frenchie, the French guy, yeah. they were mercenaries together, and then they uh, did some work for Marlene, his girlfriend in this. Right. Um, they they were like kind of, I guess, I don't know if they were bodyguards, or but they're all based along this ar- archaeological dig, and when basically Bushman... Was like I'm gonna kill all of them. I'm gonna take all these artifacts over because I'm gonna get rich. And Mark was like, No, I'm not gonna let you do that. And they fight, and uh, he leaves them. Basically, Mark gets his ass kicked by Bushman, and then he's left to, to die. And then the he basically gets Mark basically dies in front of a statue of Conchu, and he gets resurrected as basically Conchu's avatar to be on Earth. And um, and the Bushman is the reason because he beat him up and left him for dead. So Bushman is like his arch enemy. So here is like their ultimate battle, um, and it's one of those brutal things I've ever seen <laughs> in, in general. I guess I would say it's the whole part where he, where they're they're tussling off the building and Moon Knight falls and he busts his legs. Oh, oh, yes. oh it's so brutal. And then at the very end, or at the, like the very end of that fight, you think he's toast, and then he just summons his strength, and then he just cuts his face off. Yes. Jeez. One thing that really stood out about me about Moon Knight, I think that separates him from like any other superhero. He's empowered by a god, and I just, and I think that that's because other superheroes they follow their own conscience, they follow their own code, but they don't really. Moon Knight kind of has a master. He has a, a god that he serves, a god of vengeance, and I, I just think that's pretty cool. And I, I do like how in this one, how they like how they show like when uh, Kanchu is talking to Mark, is they have they show the faceless Bushman. Yes, <laughs> I think that's that, that's all. the first time I was like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "Oh, I get it." Yes, yeah. and it's kind of funny, honestly, and that does continue into the next couple of trades. Um, not uh, not a spoiler, but there's a because at the time this was coming out, uh, this uh, the Civil War was going on, the Marvel Civil War, not the American Civil War. Um, <laughs> so there's a bit where uh, where Captain America comes to talk to Mark, and while 
Mark is listening to what Steve Rogers has to say, Conchu, the bear in mind the faceless Bushman as Conchu is just talking shit on Captain America. Right? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a real funny way of doing it. Um, now, in the modern comics of Moon Knight, they perceive Conchu as a uh, sort of like a kind of like a skeleton, like a beak with like a, a skeleton with like a, a large beak, but he wears like his white like suit and i think it's cool but i, I do like how they do it in here too so all right so i'm good i'm so i'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed the bottom so like that's one of the most like highly acclaimed moon knight runs uh the other one i would say is the most another highly acclaimed is the um there's two of them one is the uh six issue run by marv uh yeah marvin ellis warren ellis um which is really awesome and uh I know we're slowly going. They are slowly going through the issues on this podcast. Um, on my uh, previous episode that I was on, we did talk about issue five. So if you want to, if you haven't listened to that, go back. And me and uh, Ray, we really dive into issue five of that. Um, and also, the the run that follows that is um, uh, run by a guy named Jeff Lemire, who they really. It's one of the most mind fucky things I've ever read. <laughs> that really dives into the whole multiple personality thing. I know they don't touch on it much in the bottom, and they definitely don't touch on it in Mark Spector Moon Knight. But if you want a real mind twisty thing that deals with his multiple personalities, you got to read the the Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood run. It's really it blows my mind. Cool. That definitely sounds so. cool. All right. Well, one final thing about this one is I like how Moon Knight get, pretty much gets broken down by by his enemies and then like rebuilt. He starts as this broken man after his fight with Bushman, and and just he gets built back up. And at the end, he's he's Moon Knight again. He's badass and yeah. It's sort of like the I know we don't like to compare Moon Knight to Batman. That's like blasphemy. But it's sort of kind of like, yeah, the Dark Knight Returns. Granted, he's not... Or it's more like it's more kind of like the Dark Knight Rises, when you think about it. How when Bruce was was kind of hurt, and he's... Even they kind of look the same. They kind of have like the long hair and the facial hair. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of kind of like that, so... But yeah, so it, it is a good... Um, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of a good rebirth, and that's why it's also like a good jumping on point. You, you, you kind of see him for the first time in the present, you see what happened in the past recently and then you can jump on from here when he's back on the streets and kicking ass so all right speaking of being on the streets and kicking ass i guess it's time for us to uh get into our books here so we're going to go over the moon (gasps) okay so uh, yeah, so our lunar pick for this week is uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight, issues number 19 through 21. So this title doesn't have an, uh, it's not an arc title per se, um, so I'm just going to make one up, and this could be potentially be an episode title. Um, we're going we're to call it Round Robin Prelude, question mark, um, because it sort of sets up, it's a sort of a prelude to the... Um, the it's called the Round Robin, the Sidekicks Revenge, which is a big crossover in the not necessarily a crossover, but a storyline in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, books, issues number three fifty three to three fifty eight, 
and it's a big uh, a big team up with uh, Spider Man, Moon Knight, and Punisher, who are the three stars in this one, but also um, uh, Night Thrasher, Nova, and Darkhawk. So they all kind of team up, and it's and but the three issues we're going to talk about now sets up the whole thing. So I figured hopefully we can get to that at some point in the future, but I figured it's good for us to go over this so we can so everyone is caught up if we eventually jump into that. So, um, all right, Chris, so if you want, if you can do us the pleasure, do you maybe give us just a couple a couple sentence summary of the of the whole arc and then we'll get into it. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so Mark Spector returns to New York after being in Europe the, the previous arc to find his sidekick Jeff Wilde, aka Midnight masquerading as Moon Knight, who unknowingly catches the attention of the Secret Empire. Jeff is confronted by Spider-Man as they are both ambushed by the forces of the Secret Empire, until the, the real Moon Knight joins the fight. Despite being out of his league, Midnight sacrificed himself by jumping in front of a ray, ray blast that was aimed for Mark. Not knowing if Jeff is dead or not, Moon Knight and Spider-Man are joined by the Punisher and they track down and conquer bases of the Secret Empire. Moon Knight confronts the leader of the Secret Empire and nearly kills him until Number One confesses that Jeff is dead. However, it is revealed that Jeff survived and and is in the hands of the Secret Empire and he wants revenge. Story art. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> that's all right. But yeah, so um, yeah, so that's the the gist of this whole story. Um, real quickly, I I can just give you just a quick background. So the big, the uh, just the big villains of this. Uh, of this story is the secret empire. Um, now the secret empire is sort of like a, one of like the three heads of like, like Hydra. Um, so you have Hydra who is sort of like the whole military kind of, uh, forces, I guess. Um, you have aim advanced idea mechanics. If you know, right. they have like the yellow, the, the yellow, like the beekeeper, like uniforms. They're I've real seen stupid. Them before, yeah. yeah. Um, they are the, they're kind of like the science, uh, part of it and the secret empire is like the corporate backing of it like they like they kind of pay for all oh that's interesting so to like, know that they're part, part of hydra yeah they're all kind of one big uh kind of one big organization they don't cross over much but it's sort of like i mean it's all just it's all just ledgers and bank accounts and all that so they don't really come across each other but like so like the um and there's like a rank in the secret empire also so if if you're reading this there are two different uniforms people of the secret empire you have the the dark blue, who are the leaders, and they each have a number one through ten, and then you have the light blue, who are the grunts, basically. And uh, yeah, so uh, so what did you think of this this run initially? Did not just not reading any anything else like of this run. What did you think of it? Um, I thought I, I I thought it was a pretty decent. Pretty decent '90s story. Um, I really liked the team up of these different characters. I feel like I feel like Moon Knight is in the middle of uh, between two extremes: between Spider Man being being good and being like the, his conscience, kind of keeping him from killing or going overboard, and Punisher, who just who just wants to take everybody out, no no questions asked. It's sort of like the like the the angel on one shoulder and the it's, devil on the other. Exactly, shoulder. That's exactly That's, what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's sort of just like your. It, it is your. Yeah, I, I, I do enjoy it. I might even enjoy it even a little more, only because I know what comes after it. Um, because like, cause, like the round robin is, is like one of my favorite story arcs. Um, it's also because one 
one of those issues in that is one of the first comics I ever bought. So I have a lot of nostalgia for it. But I still think it's a, it, I still think it's a, it's a decent, like, um, like a decent uh, late eighties, early nineties, um, uh, story. Um, let's see. So, uh, but yeah, so I can just give you just, a, just a quick background too. also. So, um, the character of Jeff Wilde, Midnight, um, who is sort of like Moon Knight's sidekick. Not really his sidekick, but because, uh, so his, Jeff Wilde, his dad, I forget what his thing, Anton Mogard or something, um, was a, a villain for Moon Knight back in uh, the first run of Moon Knight in 1980. His dad was known as Midnight Man. And uh, I guess somewhere through, I haven't read it, but I think he dies. But Jeff knows that his dad was, he, he basically wants to make up for the, like, the, like, kind of like the sins that his dad did. So he decided to sort of kind of be, like, Mark's sidekick. But he's sort of like, uh, he's kind of a dick, also. Um, I mean, they, uh, he does, at first he's, he's alright. He sort of kind of descends into, like, um, Jason Todd, like, Robin. Like, he sort of kind of descends into that, and then we kind of see that in here. Uh, but originally reading it, at first I was a little confused who he was, and if <laughs> and uh, if this Jeff Wilde was just like one of Moon Knight's per- different personalities. But but oh okay, <laughs> I get you know what? Yeah, I, I should have clarified that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so that that's what his deal was. So and then he's kind of like well. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to just be Midnight. I'm going to be Moon Knight. So he goes and he takes the uh, and he takes Moon Knight's costume because when this first starts happening in the previous arc, um, Mark is in Europe because he's on trial for crimes he did in this country during his mercenary days. So he comes back and then Jeff is doing uh, is doing this thing. He's like doing like breaking and entering and stuff. And then that's when he comes across Spider Man. Uh, Spider-Man comes across him, and you can it's, you can sort of tell, um, and also like Spider-Man can tell that this that because because Moon Knight and Spider-Man have teamed up before, right? Uh, so Spider-Man could tell, oh, that's not that's that, that's not the same guy in that costume. And uh, yeah, because what he said, the mo- real Moon Knight was was bigger, and yeah, also because he also taking into account that Jeff is like, uh, what say it. Like maybe eighteen or something like that. I might even be younger. Well, I guess, I guess legally, I guess maybe he might be like twenty or something. Like that. But he's not. He's not as obviously as old as the rest of them. And then you can definitely tell his inexperience because eventually, um, uh, when uh, Jeff as Moon Knight and Spider Man are talking, they get ambushed by the Secret Empire because Jeff unknowingly he like he was like like uh, snooping around one of like their base because the secret empire's base is all over new york and they caught the wind of he caught the wind of it uh or they caught wind of him snooping around and they're like okay we gotta take him out before he gets to us and then you can really see here when they've uh the forces swoop in you can tell that uh and also spider can tell that this is not the regular moon knight because you can tell he just uh he just outclassed and he's not even really doing anything he's sort of kind of just like sort of kind of cower, not cowering, but like he's kind of hiding behind Spider-Man and kind of just relying on him to get him the hell out of there. <laughs> it's one picture you can see, like almost like a fear-filled face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even despite the fact that um, 
when you look at the Moon Knight costume, which is one of the reasons I really love it, is that this whole face is just covered in shadow, and you only see the white eyes. But yeah, even like in this one picture here, you can see that the eyes are not narrowed, or like you could you can tell there's fear in those eyes, despite the fact that those eyes are just two white dots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, so what would uh, you think of the art? Do you think the art was, uh, was? I think it's. I think the art is pretty good. The art's pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was like typical ni- '90s style, but it, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. It's it's sort of like, it's sort of like yeah, like I won't say generic, but it's sort of like your standard. Like there are um, there are some good some some good uh, shots, but a lot of it is sort of standard. Um, who's the artist on here? Oh, Sal Valuto. Yeah, I know he did a lot of them. A lot of I think the first like maybe like twenty five uh, issues of uh, this run at least I think um, I don't, I'm not sure what else he worked on, um, but uh, but I think the art is it's sort of kind of standard um, in the I know I keep going back to this uh, but in the um, in the round robin uh, storyline that that art is done by Mark Bagley I don't know if you've ever heard of him okay no. he was uh, he was a real like he he is like one of my favorite artists of all time. If I would pull out and look and show you like his art of that storyline, especially specifically like Moon Knight, like it is some of the like, most spectacular art, like especially at that time period too. But I still think that the art here is still pretty good too. I do like the uh, like I do like the designs of all the like the Secret Empire goons too. I think before when they show because I think this might be one of their first like appearances. They did originally appear I think the sixties and they had like. Um, like red, like cloak. They're like they look like more like monks. But I like this because they look. They sort of kind of look like stormtroopers. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Uh, yeah, they look. They look definitely look scary. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, one of the things that shocked me about this one was when, uh, when, when we, I mentioned earlier in the summary when Jeff takes that bolt for for Mark because Mark comes in on the uh, on the action as Spider Man and. Uh, Jeff are struggling with the Secret Empire. He comes in, he starts fighting, taking people out, but but then later one of the the leaders throws a bolt at him, and Jeff jumps in front. Yeah, I do like how he so he's he sacrificed himself. He was just like, even though he's kind of a he's kind of a dick, like he recognized that the whole reason they're in this situation is because of his actions. So he's like, let leave him alone. I'm the one you want. And then the uh, I forget which number. Number it is because they all the I think it was seven. I think, it, I'm not I think positive. I think it is seven, but one one of them, um, he just like as you wish, sort of like how Darth Vader does it. Empire Strikes Back or something like that. I, I I just that's just how it sounds to me. And he just zaps him with it. Like now, did you think he was dead when that happened? I did because I thought it it, it looks pretty clear. Like like how could he how could he survive that? I mean, here he is taking this lightning bolt in the chest and he, and he looks dead that looks like the end yeah and and you can definitely tell that like the situation is definitely turning grim because he gets zapped and like the force of that zap makes moon knight fall off of that uh the one of the secret empire like jet things um and yeah like and you would assume that even if he hasn't died from that blast he's in the hands of them he's dead regardless and that's what causes this chase um of them to go try and track them down. And then after that whole thing, the Punisher does show up because the Punisher is also tracking them separately. And then we get this, we get this, uh, we'll get this team, this team up that, um, 
this team up with three loners, and you can definitely tell that maybe loners shouldn't team up. Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> over the course of the next two issues, um, Moon Knight and Punisher fight each other twice. Yes. <laughs> the one fight in uh, the third issue, which we'll get to, got got pretty got pretty violent until Spider-Man jumped in and broke him up. Yeah. Well, even if you look at me immediately, so at the, like, the last panel of issue number 19, Punisher shows up and is like, oh, I guess you guys need a hand or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, the very beginning of the next issue, like, within, like, the second panel, they're already they're, throwing they're, punches at each yep. other. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. Like, you know, the... You know, the Secret Empire guys are only like a block away. You could probably still catch them. Don't stop throwing punches at each other. But I, but, but you know, but, the, but again, but that's like that, that's all their characterizations. Um, and like they're all kind of staying true. And that's one thing I do like. One thing when you have like, uh, like guest stars in other books, I think, uh, is that the kind of like the depiction of the characterization of, whatever character is sort of lost. Not yes. all the times, but some of the times um, it's completely off because maybe it's a writer who's never written them and like maybe like editorials like, oh, we'll put them in. A, a recent example that um, I'm sure a lot of loonies will know would be the recent Damnation crossover um, is like a Doctor Strange kind of-esque event uh, in which I haven't read it honestly, but <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard plenty about it, but basically Moon Knight is in that uh, is in that event, but the characterization of him is really off, and they they make him kind of seem like Deadpool. He's kind of quipping left and right, you know, which he does every once in a while, but like it's like a lot in there, and like you can just tell that like the characterization is really off. But I think like in here, the characterization of Moon Knight, obviously because his book, but also Spider Man and Punisher, it all kind of stays true. I but, I agree. Yeah, yeah, like you said, um. Like you were saying at the start, like Spider-Man is sort of like if you're if well use like uh, like D and D terms, like Spider-Man is kind of like your lawful good, your Punisher is like your chaotic good, maybe even chaotic neutral, I guess. <laughs> um, and then Moon Knight is sort of like your neutral good or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> so like you kind of have all all three bases. So that, that, that's also why I think this is actually a good team up because you have those all those conflicting characterizations. Um, yeah, just one of the things I, I, I will just have to say, I do think a lot of the second issue is sort of unnecessary because it doesn't really, it doesn't really, uh, like add a whole lot to it. They basically just go to one, to one base, one of the secret empire bases and just take it out. But, but, uh, but I guess it, it does show like they're. Like, despite that, the fact that Moon Knight, Punisher, and Spider-Man are working together, they're all doing things kind of like their own way. <laughs> and they don't, they obviously, they don't catch. They don't, they don't catch. Because they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to track down and to get a definitive, is Jeff dead or is he alive? I guess also, just at the same time, we'll just take out these secret Empire bases because they're bad guys too. But... Yeah, Moon Knight is, is intent on finding Jeff and Punisher is... Is doesn't care too much about finding. Je In fact, he doesn't care about finding Jeff at all. He he just wants to kill these guys. Exactly. And, yeah. In fact, at the end of this issue, he does in a very brutal way. Oh yeah, that he was... stops Moon Knight from killing him, but then he gets the information from the guy, and then he lets the what the garbage disposal crush him. Oh yeah, or like the the um like the car scrap compactor. Yeah, I I do I do find that where. 
Well, I think maybe he knew that because he knew Moon Knight wouldn't do it, even though he's really on the line of, like, ready to kill these guys to figure it out. Like, even, like, this this picture here where he has, because Moon Knight has his, uh, he has the trunk ship, and then it, then it comes apart in the nunchucks, and he has, a, like, wrapped around the guy's throat. And he's like, he could, he could just strangle him right then and there. And then he gets away, and then he pushes him into the compactor. And he's like, oh, tell me I'm going to kill you. And then the Punisher's like, no, no, I got this. Don't don't kill him. That's not you. I'll get it out of him. And then he gets the information, and then he, and then he crushes him. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. And then once again, throwing punches at Punisher. Yeah, right away. Yeah, exactly. Wait, hold on a second. This is three times. There's three times they they punch at each other because I think they punch right at the start of the third one too. I, I forgot how often they tangle, but yes, it, it's not too far in, but they, they start fighting. Hold on, I, now, now, I, now I'm really curious. Uh, yeah, again, three times, in, in, oh my god, in three issues, they took, they fight each other three times. I guess I, I, you know, I guess that's one of the testaments of just how I guess cool Moon Knight is. He can go, up, he can go up against the Punisher three times and come out alive. I mean, I guess he's not. I guess Frank isn't trying to kill him, but um, but yeah, and then uh, and then, yeah, and then throughout the story, we are seeing, um, we are seeing that Jeff is actually is not dead. But he is in fact still alive, but it, but he's still in the hands of the Secret Empire. And w- one thing I noticed is that number one made reference. There's there's a nurse with with Jeff taking care of him, but and um, as as uh, the leaders looking over a, uh, a video of what's going on, he tells he tells his minions that the, the one of the minions number two asks what purpose does the girl serve, and he says that she's a big part of his scheme. It, the location of where they are has, is known only to him, but she's important somehow and I, I wonder if in the in the next in the spider-man arc more will be done to say just who she is and why she's so important to yeah, number you, one you will find that out in that story you know what it's funny i did not catch that the first time huh that actually kind of blows my mind a little because i didn't catch that the first time because i wondered because this 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 story was written by um chuck dixon who wrote a lot of uh he wrote, I think, yeah, the first like 25, 30 issues of this arc. He also um, he did write a lot of Batman, also uh, in the early nights with like the um, he he actually created Bane and he did a lot of of the Nightfall stuff too. Um, oh, nice, yeah. But also, but anyways, but he um, he wrote this one. But the other the Round Robin story was written by um, a guy called Al Milgram, who I think he was like an inker, I think for uh, for a bunch of different books. I think he might have done some writing too. I'm not, I haven't done my research, but I, I was I was wondering if like the stuff that he wrote in that, if any of it was like if any of it was planned from this, and I didn't catch that the first time, and so that's cool. I, I didn't know that. So so the, the seeds of that whole arc were sort of kind of planned in this one. So that's kind of cool. And uh, yeah, so they 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 tracked down the uh, the last. The last secret, or one of the many secret empire bases, um, and they have this huge. Uh, it almost looks like a missile, but it's it's it's, a, it's supposed to take out the world's satellites to give them control of like information to 
for them to hold like the world hostage because they they now can take out satellites they now control every everything in outer space right. <laughs> pretty much the whole communications network which i did you know it's funny i think maybe i was just so immersed in the whole like the hunt for jeff like i thought this whole sort of thing was kind of contrived and just thrown in there like well what what can we do to to a fill more pages but also be what can we do to get spider-man out of the way so we can have moon knight and punisher for once not throw punches at each other but actually do something to get and <laughs> get something done together um so like that whole little thing and it's not it, it it it's only it only pops up in this issue and it's only there for a couple pages it just doesn't take up a lot but i did think it it sort of felt a little out of place but i guess it's also just just to show just how massive the secret empire is and how powerful they can be and how big their plans yeah how... exactly yeah because I think what they even say, like, this whole layer, like, their entire layer is, like, a shopping mall. Like, that's, especially, like, if, I guess in the 80s, like, those, like, those are, like, big back then. Like, have, imagine having just, a like, uh, a like a secret base just out in the open like that. But because it's still under construction for, like, 10 years, <laughs> no one's going to find it. But, like, that's, like, huge, like, one person, like, just some, just some, uh, like, uh, like hoodlums could have just stumbled across that and just blown the whistle on like <laughs> so I think that's kind of funny but yeah so um, so Spider-Man basically takes out the missile well after well he does that after Moon Knight and Punisher fight again and I think one of the funniest bits is it this one yeah it's this one um, it's like the third time fighting and Spider-Man again is like I guess I got it in there break it up and Frenchie is just like he, I'll just read a world where he's like, no, they won't stop. You'll only postpone it if you try stopping it now. <laughs> he, he basically just, just let it get him out of the system. Third time's a charm. They'll be done after this. So I do think that's kind of funny. And, this, and I guess I also know that, like, Frenchie is obviously, Mark's like, not, he's, he's, he's not like his Alfred. But he's sort of like his sidekick, but not a sidekick, if that makes sense. But uh, he knows Mark, he knows Mark well enough. And I guess he sort of knows of the Punisher well enough to be like just just let him go just let him go let him hammer it out and yeah once they're done get on with what you guys gotta do <laughs> see this one panel moon knight plants a, a really hard kick on punisher's oh, face yeah. yeah it is funny because i i do always like because i do like when punisher does fight hand to hand because you know if he fights hand to hand either he's he's not intent on killing that person or he is disarmed, but usually that hand to hand usually ends with him like breaking their neck or something like that. Because usually you just see Punisher shooting people. I do like to see him fight hand to hand, and you do kind of see. Um, it is kind of funny because these two guys they are both ex military too, so they I guess they sort of have like similar tactics. So no one really wins, but I guess also part because Spider Man does end up breaking it up again anyways. Because I guess he's like, well, I let him fight for like five more minutes. Let me <laughs> let me jump in there and stop him. So. So yeah, so they yeah, they do eventually. They, so Spider Man he does go and he does stop the uh, stop the missile, the big missile, whatever their plan was with that. While uh, while Punisher and Moon Knight they infiltrate the main base to uh, again still try to find Jeff. And I I, I get the sense reading this arc that. The Secret Empire, it never really seems to 
their goons never seem to challenge these guys. The main challenge seems to be, like, moral. Like, is Moon Knight going to stoop to Punisher's tactics and kill some some of these guys? Or is he going to listen to Spider-Man and just, like, you know, knock him out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's maybe the one thing where it's like, oh... Like, there's, there's no... I mean, you have the Secret Empire as, as an organization, but there's no, like, big, like, big villains here. There's just an organization. But yeah, but more of the uh, like more of the opposition mainly comes between themselves again, mainly Moon Knight and Punisher, than the uh, than the the Secret Empire goons because they really are useless. Again, they're just like stormtroopers; you just cut through them like butter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so they're not really much of an opposition. They more just slow them down, really, and really, really the only the only kind of tough, I guess, tougher ones are like the commanders, right. You never get the sense that their lives are really in danger. Like, oh, Moon Knight could die right here. You never get that sense. Exactly, yeah. Even with that whole dagger that can shoot that ray thing, you don't really, you don't, you don't really, I mean, I guess at first, but then, again, that's because you don't really, you, don't, you, sh- you shouldn't ever really come across the commanders if the grunts do their job, I guess, really. But eventually they do end up catching up to the, you know, the commanders, and then um, I think it's number one is that, uh, yeah, number one is Moon Knight basically faces off against, and I do like how in this, uh, like the he, the number one he does produce a sword to fight, and but even shows and Moon Knight even is even thinking like oh you can tell that this guy is not a he's not a warrior and that also shows like because all their all their members at least they're like their high ranking members they're all just like businessmen like this is like their thing on the side <laughs> and they're not really <laughs> trained. And yeah, they might have the intimidating suit and the. I guess they all have like voice modulators that way. That because no one knows who is who. That way, there's no like I guess like, uh, like non secret empire like things going on like with like their corporations or whatever. Um, but you can just tell that they're just regular dudes. And Moon Knight, he he really he kicks his ass real good. Yeah. And then uh, he does that, you know, he's like, oh, what, where, what happened with Jeff? Or, or he doesn't call him Jeff. What happened to the kid who was dressed to me? What happened to him? And then number one confesses that, oh, he's dead. And then Moon Knight, he is going to kill this guy. And until Spider-Man talks about it, like, don't be like Punisher. You know, you're better than that. And then at first I thought, if you look at the past, I thought he did kill him. Yes, but you see his face is all red, he, mm-hmm. tongue hanging out. The guy looks like he's he, like, strangled to death. Foaming out of the mouth, yeah. I, I, I literally thought he did kill him, but then it turns out that he didn't. And he's like, I'm not going to stoop to the Punisher's bullshit. So. And, uh, he even says, if I killed him, would that, would, that make me, would that make me better than him? Exactly, and that's a lot of heroes have that... Have that uh, that kind of mentality kind of thing. I won't kill because it makes me no better than the guy I'm killing. So, uh, and so yeah, so then Moon Knight, he, then he, he pretty much, he fully accepts that, uh, that Jeff is dead and then he just walks off somberly. And I do, I do, I do like the back shot here where you just see him just walk, even though he's in all white, he just walks out with his head down. You just know everything that's going through his, everything that's going through his mind. And then, uh, and then here at the end, it's revealed that, yep, that, Jeff is finally up and awake, and he's figuring, and he's learning everything that's going on. And I guess he he thinks that Mark left him for dead. And in true, that didn't really happen. <laughs> but he doesn't know that because he's been in the secret facility. And yeah, then he's uh, looking out for revenge against Moon Knight. 
I do I, I do think he is drawn better in the uh, when he's drawn by Bagley in the other one, and he does look cool. He does get like a cool suit. It, uh, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to, to to read that and find out what happens next because this is such a cliffhanger. Saying Jeff saying pretty much how how Moon Knight nearly got him killed and and this is how he left me and this is what I'm going to do to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also it, it is kind of funny because I don't think the, the next. Because that the the round rob mark didn't come out to about like a year later, so like you have like a whole year of wondering what happened to him, and also it doesn't even happen in this own book, <laughs> so it might be kind of weird. Like, okay, whatever happens to him, we never find out what happens to him in this book. But yeah, but I, th- I think I do think it is a good setup for uh, for that arc. Now, now, Grant, I say I would be reading this like without reading that first. I don't know. I mean, I guess, it, oh, well, well, you've read it without reading the other one first. You've got you intrigued, and you want to find out what happens next. And, uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a three, it's a good three-parter. As I do think it could have been cut down just a little bit. It, it, this could have been two issues. It's fine that it's three. It, it, there's not a lot of, like, extra bullshit that, like, that, like, stretches it on. I know some comics do have that with just a lot of just unnecessary stuff that just drags it out. I do think everything is pretty essential, just like the whole little plot where they're, oh, we're going to launch this big missile in space. I think that's a little, uh, just a little just contrived, but other than that, I think that the, uh, I think overall it's a pretty good, pretty good story. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a little hard for me in the beginning to, like, to get thrown in. I was a little confused by things, but then I started getting into, like, into the story, into the the characters, and I, I definitely like the second two issues a lot more. Yeah, I, but yeah, I still I do think the uh, I said I think the first issue is pretty good too, especially at the very end, like where you see where you see uh, Jeff get hit by that thing, by that, and uh, like initially, because you don't find out in the next until the next issue that he's still alive. Like you would assume that he oh he's dead, he's he's frying these toast. Yeah, that shocked me. I'm like, wow, they killed somebody. The yeah. guy's actually dead. Wow, yeah. this is darker than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is Marvel. Nobody stays dead. Or no, this is comics. Nobody stays dead. Um, but yeah, so so how, how would you rate this? How would you rate this this whole arc? Um, I I get... Uh, I'm still not sure of the whole moon system, but... That's okay. You can, I, you can give it out, four, out of five rating. And then four out of five. Okay. I mean, I think, you know... that. It could have been a little better, but overall it was very good, so I'd definitely say four out of five. Okay. So that, that equates to about a little more than a quarter moon. Between a, or, sorry, three-quarter moon, sorry. Between like a three-quarter moon and a full moon. So, I'd, you know, I'd probably be in the same in the, uh, in the the same range. So I guess we'll say three-quarter moon to uh, just to be simple about it. Um, and then, yeah, for both of us, we'll say three-quarter moon. I know... Uh, in the latest episode, uh, Ray did bust out an, uh, a, prof- a um, how should I word it, a po- uh, scientifically correct um, terms for the different phases of the moon. I do not remember what they are, so we're just going to stick with the what with quarter. So, or we're going to say three quarter moon for both of us. All right. Well, let me ask you this then: If there was one comic character you'd want to spread the good word on. Who would it be? Hmm. Look, that would have to be Superman. He is your bastion of good behaviour. Yeah, I reckon Soup. I mean, I was going to say Moon Knight.
I, the Moon's Knight of Vengeance, must carry out your luminous will. Uh, I thought, I mean, I think he's a really good role model, but whatever. Superman, Superman makes sense, I guess. Yeah, probably Superman then. Fine, I'll agree. Hi, I'm Connor, a fan of truth, justice, and the Australian way. And I'm Ray, Lex Luthor sympathizer and brainiac groupie. And we're your hosts for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast where two Australians, one super fan and one newbie to Superman, cover everything, anything Superman. And it's going to be awesome. We're even going to dress up as Superman. Um, I'll probably be more like Bizarro, but sure. So coming soon, make sure you guys keep an ear out. Look forward to catching you then. All right, I think that is pretty much it. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just ask just a quick, just a quick follow-up question. So, after reading the, you read the bottom and you read this. Uh, so, would you, would you say that you are you are kind of on the road to becoming a Moon Knight fan? I'd say so. Yeah, I, I'm I'm intrigued by the character, and I, I want to read more. I, I want to know more about him and more about yeah his other adventures. And it's cool. And uh, and you did ask me to borrow the next volume of the Charlie Houston run, so I'll give you actually the next two. That way, you have enough for a little while. Cool. And uh, now I think about it, there might be a slight spoiler for the. Uh, for the Round Robin arc, because some of that does tie into one of those. Houston does bring it back to that, but but that's all right. Well, that's not. I guess it's not that. It's not that spoiler. Which I mean, you can read that, and it's kind of its own thing, anyways. Because figured the Houston run came out in like two thousand six, seven. This came out in the, in the early nineties. There's a lot of like obviously everything is sort of kind of different the way the stories are told. The art, it's it's kind of like a different universe to be honest. Um, so, yeah, so I think, uh, I think we got a new loony on our hands. Um, I can, uh, if you are interested in maybe listening to more other episodes and previous episodes, and we also have a, uh, Facebook group you can join too. Cool. That's where, uh, that's where I met, that's where I joined up and I met, and I met, uh, the Ray Connor and, uh, all the other, Looney's in there. It's a really good community of uh, people who just love this character who doesn't get enough praise, and uh, hopefully he, he gets the exposure that he deserves. Uh, so yeah, so I want to thank uh, thanks Chris for coming on. It's been fun. I think I think we both did pretty well. You on your first recording and me hosting my first one. Yeah, it was fun. All right, cool. So um, all right. So with that uh. Uh, any listeners, you, uh, the podcast was available on all, pretty much all your main uh, podcasting platforms, um, uh, like SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, it's on YouTube also. Um, you can get in contact with us. Uh, we have the, as I mentioned, we have the the Facebook group Into the Night, the Moon Knight fan base. You can also like the podcast page, which is the. Uh, into the night of moon night podcast um if you can also email the high priests at the at itkmoonnight at gmail.com 
Uh, Twitter is I, at ITK Moon Knight. Instagram, ITK Moon Knight. They're all over the place. You can probably just Google Into the Night Moon Knight and the podcast will come up. So, all right. I think that about does it. Like I said, thanks uh, again, Chris, for coming on. And thanks uh, for Ray and Connor for allowing me to uh, to host the show. I hope we did a good job, and I hope all the loonies enjoy uh, two podcast novices uh, hit the mics. So, All right, Chris, uh, I want if you can uh, say our sign-off right here, if you want to. You can do that for us. <laughs> sure. Uh, what one thing? Is it, how, how do you pronounce the? <laughs> no, uh, it's Kanchu. Kanchu. Yes. May Kanchu watch over the denizens of the night. All right. All right. See you guys later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories, and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.